Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Grab your notes and your app or your journal or your Bible or however it is you do this space this morning. We're going to begin a new series that we're calling the 21 Days of Prayer. And uh, I want to say, just as we have an established tradition the last Sunday of the year uh, to take that off, we have an established tradition. We're three years in now on beginning our new year with a focus on prayer. And here's what I want to remind everybody as you're getting settled and we're thinking about this topic for this weekend and for this month, that uh, even though we're third year in, all of the content, all of what we want to tell you uh, in this series is brand new. I was thinking about this. We began this idea of 21 days of prayer a couple of years ago. And uh, when we started a couple of years ago, the goal of it really was to just talk about prayer, what it is, what it isn't, why it's important, why we should do it. And uh, so we started that two years ago. Last year, uh, if you were with us, I think we focused more on the idea of breakthrough prayer. Like, um, what do we do when we have these gnarly, thorny issues in our lives and we have some real stuff going on? Anybody experience any real life in your life? Come on, right? When that is happening, how do we invite God by the power of his Holy Spirit and the power of his presence uh, into that? And we focused on that last year. And in fact, if that's you this year, you can go back on our website. You can look up those messages and and see that content. And this year, we're going to focus on prayer, but we're going to focus on a specific aspect of prayer. And I want to show you what it is. It's actually this one. It's how to hear God in prayer. Say that with me. How to hear God in prayer. How many of you would, um, would by just a, a moment of self-admission, say, I would like to learn how to hear God's voice better in my life? Come on, right? That's me too. I remember years ago when I was developing this value and this discipline in my own life. Now, here's what I know. Uh, sometimes you uh, mistaken, mistakenly assume that pastors, we have all of that figured out. And uh, like we just, like when we, when we get ordained, when we become a pastor, they give us the red phone, we can pick up the red phone, the bat phone, we can make these calls. Sometimes when I'm talking to folks in the lobby, you'll say that to me. No, I know you've got a direct line. That's what you'll say. One, somebody said that one Sunday to me in the lobby, Beth was walking past them when they said that and she just started laughing. <laughs> So it's kind of a discouraging thing. But anyhow, um, when I was developing this uh, value, this discipline uh, in my own life, uh, I read a, a powerful book around this topic. And the book was by Dallas Willard. And, uh, and he wrote, it's, the title of the book, I think, is simply Hearing God. Wow. And uh, Dallas Willard made this comment. He was kind of uh, been a believer now for many decades. But he said this. He said, I continue to believe that people are meant to live in an ongoing conversation with God, speaking and being spoken to. And um, that is a part of the Christian uh, experience. And kind of what we're, this is what we're gonna focus on this series because here's what I'm thinking. If God is real, think with me for a moment. If God is real, he is. And God is speaking, he does. 
the question comes into view, can you and I as ordinary garden variety people, can we learn to hear his voice? And the resounding answer to the question is what? Yes, we can. And what I want to tell you too, um, this is not even a new concept that we want to break out to you uh, across these weeks. Um, I want to show you a picture of somebody. And anybody know who that is? Uh, that is, uh, let me sh- show you his name. That is William uh, Griffith Wilson, also known as Bill W. Any friends Bill W. in the room? Come on. And uh, Bill W. is credited uh, as being the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, he wrote, uh, authored the 12 Steps, uh, which have been used, God has used across the globe to just transform people uh, and move them past hurts and habits and hangups, to move them past difficult things in their lives. And all of us are going to experience difficult things in our lives. And we're going to, and, and there's a process that Bill W. Uh, found, frankly, out of scripture that helps people understand the process to move past hurts, habits, and hangups. One of the steps, step 11, says this. I want to show it to you. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our constant contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry this out. Now, notice what it says. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our constant contact with God. So here's what I want you to know if you're taking notes, if you get your mind around this. God is speaking right now. And he wants to speak to you and he wants to speak to me about our lives. He wants to give us wisdom. He wants to show us um, how to move past some of the things that maybe caught us last year and uh, maybe would experience, uh, we could experience breakthrough and power to move on and experience something different uh, this year. He wants to get us past some of the darkest, uh, most grief-filled moments of our lives. And so I I think there is, uh, is tremendous hope in this. I mean, think with me about this. If we were to develop this in our own lives, imagine the peace you could experience. Imagine the wisdom that you could have that's available to us. This is what God's word says to help us in areas where right now we're confused. Imagine the sense of God's presence you could feel in your life. I don't know if you felt it when we were worshiping. Did you feel it? If you didn't feel it, you're dead. No, just, <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But it was, it was there. It was there. What if we could feel that all week long? What if we could feel that in all of our difficulty? And it's really a possibility for us. And um, I had a, when I was growing up, I think we're all the products of our environment. Wouldn't you agree? And uh, when I was growing up, uh, I had my maternal grandmother. Her name was Shelly. And we've named our younger daughter after her. And she was a tremendous woman. Um, She was about four foot tall. (laughs) And um, she she was uh, and she cooked the best greens and fried chicken you've ever had. How, how many? Who likes greens? I want to see who my people are. Look, praise God, that's awesome. How about rutabagas? 
Oh, I divided the room right there. Come on, some of us, some of us. All right, let me, I'll move on. But anyhow, um, she, my, my grandmother, she had a hard life. Um, she, her, her husband was abusive, my granddad. I never knew him. And I had an uncle who, who came over one afternoon and um, removed him from the house, let's just say. So my mom grew up with a uh, you know, single mom, and my, my, my grandmother owned a little luncheonette in Stark, Florida. You ever been to Stark, Florida? <laughs> and, um, and she had a hard life, uh, never had any money, lived in a tiny, tiny house. When we'd visit her, I would sleep in her bed with her. That's how small the house was, even when I was 18. <laughs> and no, no, no joke. And, um, and what I remember about my grandmother is she cooked incredible food, and I remember her that she sang a lot. And on, no, uh, on the week before uh, th- Thanksgiving in 1978, she had a brainstem stroke and she never spoke again. And the night before she died, which would have been, she died on November 26, 1978. My mom was with her mother in North Florida Regional Hospital. And all of a sudden, my grandmother, who hadn't spoken for like two weeks, raised up in her bed, and she just belted out the hymn, throw out the lifeline. She collapsed back on the bed and died the next morning. And I remember her that she always sang, and one of her favorite songs was a song entitled In the Garden. I go to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear calling on my ear, the Son of God despair closes and then the chorus and he walks with me and he talks with me this is what I want us to think about in this series he wants to talk with you there's a passage of scripture I want us to focus on it's uh, in the Old Testament it is uh, it's the moment when the Lord calls Samuel. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to read down these 10 verses, and I want to just walk you through a simple thing. In fact, because I love you, and this is 2024, I'm going to give you your first prayer for 2024. We're going to talk about prayer because we're talking about prayer. I'm going to make it simple and give you a prayer and walk you through it. But before we do that, would you stand And we're going to read God's word together. Here it is. This is the story. So the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Now in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. But one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. And the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Dummy, that's not in there, but. (laughs) Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So a third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. 
And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Hey, let's uh, pray real quick. Uh, Lord, would you um, use this space in important ways for our lives right now? God, what, what we're going to talk about, what we're going to meditate on, what we're going to think about in this space is so important. And so, God, I pray uh, for an unusual sense that you would bestow upon us, God, of the gravity of this situation that we might... Um, we might figure out a way through your leading to orient our lives around this truth for we pray together these things in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Let me catch up on some history. So if we're gonna overview this story, here's what I want you to know. It's one of the classic stories of the Bible, right? And uh, one of the classic stories of the Bible and it seems that the purpose of Samuel, if you wanna know, seems to be to record the life of Israel's last uh, judge, which is uh, Samuel, and it reveals Israel's first king, which is Saul, and then later on reveals and sets up the preparation for Israel's greatest king that we remember as David. And so this is what's going on. Samuel's mother was a woman uh, named Hannah. She was first unable to have children. She cried out to God, God granted her cry, and as a result of that, uh, he granted her uh, Samuel, and uh, she dedicated Samuel to the Lord. He didn't even get a say in it. She dedicated him to the Lord, and so he grew up uh, around the temple, and he grew up in the service of the priests. He eventually became a priest, and he eventually, after that, became the leading priest. Now, that's all awesome. But there's some cautionary stuff I just would want us to know historically in here too. Um, When God uh, fashioned the Israelites, he told them that he would always be their king. And we get to this place in the Old Testament and they were no longer satisfied with God as their king. That's something we should think about for a moment. And so they kept asking for a human king. And finally, um, because they kept asking... Uh, God relented and let them have a king. It did not go well. And if you read 1 Kings and 2 Kings, it's one disaster after another. Here's a little cautionary note for those of you that may be interested. Sometimes God will let you have what you want. Right? And so um, what's instructive in this, uh, if I could just kind of focus down in this one area what I find super instructive is that this, is, this becomes a powerful story that is emblematic for all of us in our lives right now in, in cautionary ways and hopeful ways. And, and, and I think this prayer represents, um, represents a great way for you and I to start our year. Uh, we always start the year off um, with all, all with high hopes, Right? I remember, uh, I remember a picture that came out a couple years ago 
Uh, I believe I've shown it. It was, it was just um, so cool. It just went viral. It's a picture of a little girl named Elsie from Glasgow, Scotland on her first day of school. And, and she, look at that. That's how many of us enter the year. We enter this. This is her first day of school. Let me show you the picture when she got home from school. Isn't that awesome? I just love that. And, and some of us, you get to pick. Some of us enter the new year. This is how we are, man. We're all pumped. We're all excited. Some of us enter the year like this, right? This kind of thing. And so we come up with phrases like this. I've been writing them down. New year, new you. No regrets. Here's one. Pain is just weakness leaving the body. Okay. Here's another one. It's always too early to quit. He or she who dies with the most toys wins. Yeah, whatever. All right, so here's the thing I would tell you. Uh, I want to, because that's what we do in the new year, we make statements and we, we do all this kind of thing. I want to give you this prayer and this statement as, as, as my offering to you as something to take with you into the front of the year. And it's just simply this. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Um, this is going to be my prayer for the new year. Now, little, little thing about me. Um, if you go into my office at home, my study, uh, I, I, if you shut the door, I have statements that I put there. They're for me. A lot of times there are things that come out of my devotional life. There are things that I'm praying over my own life. They're just little things in there that I want to be focused on. So when I'm there studying and I'm working on a message, I can look up at my wall and I can see things. Here's the one I added this year. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And before I open that door and go out and serve as one of your pastors alongside the team, that's going to be my prayer this year. What, what if it was your prayer? What if, what if you said right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this year off and this is going to be my prayer for the year. I think it could bring such great change and such great hope to every single one of us who's courageous enough to do that. So here's what I want to do in my remainder t- uh, time before we offer communion. I just want to walk you through that prayer. And, uh, and so I have some things that I, I want to say about each one of those words. The first word is the word, of course, speak. Say it out loud with me. Speak. Now, here's what I want to tell you about this first step. This is, this is a hard one. Because um, to, to get over the speed bump of this word, to embrace this prayer, means that all of us are going to have to manifest belief and faith that there is a God and that he is speaking. So see what I'm doing? I'm putting the cookies way down on the bottom shelf. Some of you, your challenge this year is this. It's to move the needle in your life and settle once and for all that there is a God who loves you and who is speaking and wanting to be involved in your life. It's, it's, this is the big one. This is the hurdle. When, when you get over this, we could get down on the dance floor. 
come on, come on. And we could get some real work done, but you gotta, you gotta start there. Here's what I was thinking about this around this um, idea. First of all, I just want you to know God's disposition to those of us who doubt. Because sometimes I think church makes that shameful. In a community of hope, we forbid that. Uh, come on. And here's what Jude said, the second to the last book of the Bible. Here's Jude reminding the early believers who were taking out the message to those who needed to hear it. He said, hey, just let me remind you, be merciful to those who doubt. So if you're here this morning and you doubt, here's what I want you to know. You are among friends. You're among friends. But you got to settle it. You got to move the needle. And so I want you to know the disposition, but I also want you to know that the deal is that you got to move the needle. You got to think about this. This is kind of a thing. Because when we say speak, we are presupposing that he's there, right? And that he does. And that he can. And that he will. You got to do that. Um, one of the passages of scripture, I read at every funeral that I, that I do, is this one. comes in John chapter 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My sheep listen. And if you listen, you're presupposing that he's speaking. Speak. That's always funny to me that we don't, we don't have problems with us speaking. We have problems with him speaking. Wasn't it Lily Tomlin who said, why is it when we speak to God, it's prayer. When God speaks to us, it's mental illness. <laughs> Weird. Weird. Speak. Here's a big one. We're on the dance floor, right? We're on the dance floor. We're going to go, we're going to go forward. The next word is Lord. Say it. Lord. Lord. Now, strange word, right? Strange word. Out of, out of this context, how often do we use that word? Uh, not a lot. Not in our culture. But here's the thing. It's there for purpose. I was thinking about this, and I, I did some work on this. I took out, a, as a communicator, I took out a, my synonym finder. And I looked up the word Lord. And I want to give you some synonyms for the word Lord. Listen carefully. Master, overlord, chief, ruler, tyrant, dictator, Boss, landlord. Any reason some of us have a problem with that? And sometimes that, that gets to be real difficult because um, we see what dictators do. If you keep reading in the synonym finder, there's some other words I want to give them to you. 
sovereign majesty, absolute author, finisher. Here's a good one. Designer. Isn't that awesome? C.S. Lewis, you know we quote a lot from him. He writes in Mere Christianity. This is a longer quote, but I want you to get it. He says in, in his book, Mere Christianity, I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, which is Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the thing we must not say. For a man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher, he would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him, you could kill him as a demon, you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God, but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his great, being a great human be, uh, teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now, now hear what I'm saying in this the right way. He's not your homeboy. He's not. He's got to be this. And you and I get the decision, right, whether we're going to do this on this side of eternity because Paul writes, there's kind of coming a day, right, when everyone's going to do this. Everyone's going to do it. You, out of his mercy, get to decide when you're going to do it. And I'll tell you where I'm going to do it. Right now in front of y'all, speak, Lord. You know what Lord means to me too, real quickly? Lord means, hold on, I'm not done. Go back. Don't get ahead of me. Lord, Lord means, Lord means um, I don't, I'm not in control about everything about me. And that's a great feeling. Can I just say that there's, there's, a, there's a designer? I'm not the designer. Okay, now we're going to go on. Got to go on, move quick. All right, next one is what? Servant. So if he's Lord, let me just say it quickly. That means you're not. <laughs> See how that works? Voila. If, if um, he's first, you're not. You're second. What if we took that as a prayer into our world? Speak, Lord, your servant. Your servant. In 2008, there was this great thing that hit our culture. I want to show you a picture of it. You can look it up later. It's called I'm Second. I'm second movement. And uh, it, it details the story, the testimonies of people who blew up their life and burned down their life living as though they were the author and finisher of their life. 
And when they learned, they were not. And they gave their lives to Jesus Christ. It flipped the script on everything. Now, if you're going to orient your life as a Christ follower, I just want to say, if you're a Christ follower, this comes with it. You're no longer in charge. He's in charge. He's the one. Uh, Paul wrote it this way. I love it. 1 Corinthians 6. We'll look at it real quick. He said, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have received from God? Look at this. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. What price? What is he talking about? A cross. A cross. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, he's talking about sexuality, which is, of course, one of the drives all of us struggle with. Lots of talk today about sexuality. Every human being struggles with sexuality and how to master that, right? But that's a principle of life, of following Jesus. Every day you get up and you just say, you know what, God, it's not me, it's you. I'm not first, I'm second. And so you're speaking, you tell me what you want me to do, I want to be part of it. And then lastly, I'll just say it real quick, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Um, notice that it doesn't say, speak, Lord, your servant listened. Once. Long time ago. I'm not sure if it was you or the pizza I had, but I think it was you. Uh, it doesn't say, speak, Lord, your servant will listen if I like what you say. If it's something I want to do. If it gives me the warm fuzzies. What are the warm fuzzies anyway? <laughs> Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. God is speaking. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament says it this way, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth in order to show himself to those whose hearts are true, whose hearts are aligned with him. Align your heart with him this year. Let him go first. Give it all to him, right? We said it back in December, gold circumstance mud. Give, give him all of it. Let him have it. See what he can do. Because here's the thing. He gave everything to you. See how that works? It's like reciprocal. I want to tell you another way to remember. Right? Speak, Lord. Say it with me. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. That's a way you can remember. Try it out along with me. Let's see what God will do. Uh, God, in your mercy and in your grace, give us the courage, give us the faith to lean into that prayer. We commend and lay this year before you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. See you next weekend. Go in his peace.